0: Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated, and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at standupforthetruth.com/donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatr.com. Now, Hello. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, and sisters in Christ, David Fiorazzo and Danielson,
1: and hi, Mary. Hi, good morning. Hey, great to be uh, with you guys again, and we still have free speech. If we're still on the air, we have not been canceled, I won't say yet because I'm, I'm not that much of a pessimist, but I will understand the times and recognize the deception and the censorship and everything else that's going on, and the left seems to be pulling out all the punches. We're going to talk about the midterm elections coming up uh, Tuesday. We're going to talk about that probably in segment two today, uh, but before we get to our guest, Elijah Abraham, back from another international trip, redpillprince.com, our friends in Canada, put up a couple new items for us. It's just really amazing. They've they've got some really cool products there and I just want to direct your attention to standupforthetruth.com. Up at the top or if you're on an iPhone click the menu bar, one word, look for merch. Merch is short for merchandise. They've got now they've got a coffee tumbler with a handle on it. They've got a stainless steel tumbler it's really cool, 20-ounce tumbler, and they had it a scented candle with the Stand Up for the Truth logo on the front. They design these items. We don't do anything in-house. People buy them, and the proceeds go to support our ministry. Now, we don't get a lot from these because of the costs and the shipping and all that, but what every little bit adds up. And we just thank you for indirectly supporting us by buying some cool merch. Everything from hoodies to hats to coffee mugs to uh, sweatshirts and t-shirts and now scented candle and a tumbler. Check them out and you can go to redpillprints.com or standupforthetruth.com and click on one word merch. Um, We are so blessed to have someone who uh, travels overseas and uh, when he needs to, he corrects the theology of pastors in different countries because uh, of the error in seeker-sensitive Christianity or American Christianity, the prosperity gospel that has been exported to other countries. But Elijah Abraham is back with us today. You know him through Living Oasis Ministries. That, that's livingoasis.org. And we're going to have him share an update on his recent trip, and we'll talk about a lot more issues. Elijah, brother, welcome back.
2: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to be with you.
1: Always. And I mean that always. Um, so, you know, Mary, uh, Mary, you've been up here for yes. prophecy conferences in Appleton. And so, uh, you've spoken there and, uh, we're just blessed to both of us get to talk to you this morning. Um, Mary, I'll let you ask the first question about his trip if you want. Just, uh, whatever you want to know, where he's been and what he's done.
3: Well, uh, how, well, <laughs> first, how, how long were you gone, Elijah?
2: Well, almost a month I left uh, the United States uh, September 29th and I got back October 23rd
1: wow, wow uh, because amazing. it
2: takes it takes 48 uh, 48 hours to get where I was going wow. 48 hours to get back so wow. uh, yeah. it's it's a long journey
3: yeah well well I I know that you probably have so many highlights and so many cool things but if you could think of one thing that the Lord did for you or for people there that really really stands out in your mind what would that be
2: well I uh, <laughs> Well, actually, there's so many things that God really answered our prayers. One, God sustained me with my back pain, which I do have Mm -hmm. chronic back issues. Mm -hmm. And God gave me strength to uh, achieve the goals that he has set before me. Mm -hmm. But the highlight is that uh, one of the churches that I preached at, which is a church, uh, part of a denomination is a heretical denomination, but they keep inviting me, which is a blessing. (laughs) And uh, after the service, uh, preaching from God's word, I did an invitation, which over 60 people come forward, <laughs> accepted to Christ. Where was that? And, uh, in uh, Surabaya, uh, Indonesia. I went to Indonesia. I, okay. uh, I did ministry in four cities. Um, so it was just amazing. Um, every time I thought to myself, well, I need to end the service and stop. Uh, but the Lord just kept saying, "Keep, keep it going. Mm-hmm. I'm not done and people kept coming, the the, this, the church is uh, more or less a mega church, uh, they had three levels, and they kept coming from upstairs, wow. the sides, uh, the, everybody was sobbing and weeping, wow. um, including the pastor wow. and his wife and the elders, it was just, that's the highlight. Wow.
1: So, wait a minute, Elijah, let's clarify something, you were speaking in Indonesia to a right. mega church, right. so this is a Christian church, and yeah. that many people came forward to be saved. I, I thought well, you were, weren't you at a Sunday morning service? Yes. I, yes. Explain that to us, please.
2: Well, uh, Indonesia, as you know, it's the largest Muslim country in the world. And many people think that, oh well, uh, Christianity is uh, irrelevant or non-existent in such country. Well, uh, you have to understand Islam and Muslims as a whole. Islam is the religion, the ideology. Muslims are, is the person or the persons. Um, and Muslims in different regions, uh, represent different type of Islam, uh, in the Middle East, uh, Iran, uh, Pakistan, uh, you know, places like that, so Afghanistan, uh, North Africa. They're kind of more or less the hardcore. Uh, Muslims as far as politically as well as theologically. Mm-hmm. But when you go to Far East or Africa uh, and Southeast Asia, more or less can, becomes folk Islam, animistic, cultural Muslims that really don't know anything about Islam except they were born Muslims and they do the traditional stuff. So in, in Indonesia, uh, the Lord, uh, you know, Christianity been there really from day one uh, for mm-hmm. the last 500 years or so. Uh, not necessarily been sound theology but uh the seed is there people uh god uses even <laughs> heretical preachers to save people believe it or not uh if god can use a donkey to talk to balaam <laughs> he can use a false preacher hmm. uh but when he preaches the word and gets people saved and it's amazing to see that uh so people ask well what is the percentage of uh, christians in indonesia I remember the first time I won there in 2012. Um, I thought, well, it's going to be less than one or two percent, but actually the numbers is close to 20 percent of the population. Really? That's 20 percent, 20 percent of 250 million.
3: Wow. Wow. That's Uh, surprising. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's really a well, that's a very well kept secret. Um, but I see it now. Churches everywhere. Uh, churches are everywhere uh in in indonesia of course it depends on the island it depends on the city there are some cities and islands uh hardcore muslims sharia law and you gotta watch what you say Mm. the churches Mm -hmm. are underground persecuted but you got some islands and cities you got uh they close on sunday because it's uh church day and you got streets named after christian names and Mm. you got islands uh, hinduism like uh, the island of Bali, Hinduism is the majority, so they don't like uh, Islam, but they like the, the church, Christians. Um, I never thought I will go to a mega church yeah. in yeah. Indonesia, right? But there are mega churches, wow. and I'm talking about you know eight, ten thousand, five thousand people. Okay, and I preached in some of these churches. Um, most of these mega churches represent prosperity gospel, okay. unfortunately. Okay. Um, yeah. health and wealth gospel very weak theologically Um, the type of service is very much americanized or westernized It's all about the sounds and the lights and the dance and the hoopla and very little preaching and if there is preaching usually the pastor really does not uh, open the bible just rant and rave and and people get excited or if he does read the the scripture take things out of context so it's, it's really sad. They are starving mm. God's people. Mm. Uh. And the privilege that I have, uh, this is my eighth time going to Indonesia. Wow. Um, uh, there has been a period of pause, I would say, uh, from last time before this trip was 2018. I was supposed to go back in 2020. Of course, the lockdown could not do it. And finally, travel opened up a little bit. Indonesia uh, still have a lot of restrictions, masks everywhere. Uh, you have to, uh, that's another miracle. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, you know, you have to have an app, uh, tracing app. You have mm. to have this. You have to have that.
3: Wow. God really
2: protected yeah. me from all of that. Mm. Uh, um, so, uh, but in spite of that, um, you know, uh, people are hungry. Uh, and when I, God gave me the privilege in the last eight times, I trained the leadership. I trained the pastors, uh, seminary students, and I challenged them uh, from the word of God, not because I'm, you know, somebody special, but I challenged them. I'm a messenger from the Lord. Uh, God appointed me to teach these pastors and I challenged them. I said, if you are not teaching from the word of God, you need to get out of ministry and find something else. Uh, people want to hear from God, not from you, uh, and that's to them is so foreign mm. sometimes. And it's uh, they really like, uh, uh, but uh, uh, this is my church. It's not. It's not your church. It's God's church. Mm. Uh, and I show, I give them the example about when the Lord, uh, you know, challenged Peter uh Sea of Galilee, "Do you love me?" And he challenged him three times, asked him that question, "Feed my sheep." Mm. Uh, if you don't feed your sheep, uh, God's sheep, uh, you're starving His sheep, and you're going to be held accountable to God because the Lord Jesus died for the sheep, for the church, mm. and you're starving the church. Uh, so wow. they, and, and it's interesting in those cultures, these cultures, you don't say these things. I mean, I, um, you know, my interpreter, um, he, his denomination is Methodist, and I uh, preached and taught. Uh, the pastors and leaders of that denomination, as well I did for the Assembly of God denomination and other denominations. But for the Assembly of, uh, for the Methodist churches, uh, pastors and leaders, um, and I challenged them with these things, especially about eschatology, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> and afterwards, he, in the car, he was just shaking his head. He said, it's just, God, you, you don't, have, you have no idea how God used you today. So what do you mean? He said, no one talks to them this way. <laughs> nobody challenged them this way and th- nobody challenged them about theology wow. they think uh, the way they do things that's the way it's mm. been done all these years and that's the truth I mm. said so, well I did not challenge them out of spite I challenged them because I love them I care for them I care for the church and they need to get off their hindsight <laughs> behind and study the scripture so they can teach it mm. um, so, it's, uh, it, it was really amazing, amazing trip. Um, this trip is really more or less reconnecting with, the uh, uh, relationships and partnership that I had before. Uh, because of the restrictions, some, some of these relationships or pastors or leaders, they really don't want to do anything because they're still in fear. Uh, so I did some teaching for the ones that I know. But God opened new opportunities, new partnerships, and new relationships. And as a result, they invited me to go back next year. And we already booked uh, four, conf- four conferences wow. uh, in, uh, th- in three cities already for next year. So we're still working on uh, other, ch- other churches or other uh, denominations and seminaries and uh, and as a result of that, God opened opportunities to other countries within Southeast Asia. And if you're interested, I'll be glad to tell you.
1: Yeah, God bless you, brother. way to get those Christians saved. Yes uh, Mary has a question for you. Yeah,
3: I have a question for you, and I know your heart is for the church and and when you talk about this meg- mega church, and the various uh, theological issues that they do have, what kind of follow-up is with these new converts? Because, you know, we have a saying, healthy sheep beget healthy sheep, and then they're right. able to to carry on the work of ministry. When you're not there, mm. uh, how how do you come against some of the false teaching? I love that you talk to the pastors, of course, and, and and challenge them to now feed these people. But in order for them to get grounded in God's Word, they need that very much. What kind of follow-up is there? Is there... I know the dem- you know, this the whole concept of following up with all these people is is sort of mind boggling, but yeah. what how what's your heart about following up with these people?
2: Excellent question, and that's really always been my concern, mm-hmm. no matter which country, not just in Indonesia or Southeast Asia. I've been in forty six countries and that's always been a concern mm-hmm. of mine because I have to rely on the leadership or the mm-hmm. partners that I partner with uh, to follow up with the pastors or with the denominations or with the seminaries. That I did conferences, and um, my right hand man, uh, incredible guy, loves the Lord. Uh, he has been uh, been very faithful and following up with these leadership to challenge mm. them. Uh, how are things going? What's the discipleship? On my end, I supply them with materials that is already being translated in Bahasa Indonesian language. Mm. Uh, for discipleship, for evangelism, for apologetics, uh, whatever it is. And usually I leave about anywhere between 5 to 10 gigabytes worth of materials. Some of it is translated in their language. Some of it is in English because we don't have the funds to translate everything. Um, and uh, so that's you. That's an excellent question. And, and that's something I challenge the pastors. I say, look. After we're done, before you came to the conference, you, were, you claimed ignorance. You did not know.
1: Mm. But
2: now you know. Yes. Now it's in your head. Now you're responsible to God, not to me. I said, after mm. I'm done with Indonesia, I'm going to go back home and hug my wife and kids. And I did my part. What's, what's your responsibility? Mm-hmm.
1: Praise God. I said,
2: yeah, you have new, new new babies in, Christ- uh, in, in the faith. That's right. What are you going to do? Just keep giving them milk? Don't mm-hmm. you want them to grow and mm-hmm. I give them the example. I said, you know, uh, evangelism is just the beginning of the of the ministry. Uh, you know, when you have someone saved, I, I give them the example. I said, how many fathers here, or parents here? They raise their hand. I said, you, when your wife have a child, and after the, she delivers, and the baby, uh, the nurse put the wrapped the baby and put him in that bassinet, and you look at your wife and give her a high five. Well done, honey. We did a great job, let's go and have another <laughs> child. But you leave the baby in the bassinet, you know, fed for himself. And that's exactly what we do with baby Christians. Mm-hmm. And this is not just in Indonesia, folks. This is also here in America. Yes. Right. Okay, we all gone whole evangelism, evangelism, like people saved. Great. They mm-hmm. got saved now and then the church. What are you going to do with them?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, do you think that automatically they, all of the cobwebs of satanic, uh, uh, thoughts, um, and cultural influence in their head is just immediately going to disappear. No, it takes the word of God and discipleship and mentorship and prayer and help them show them how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to trust God, how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because they don't know the babies. And, and that's, that's the challenge. Uh, So it's always been a challenge that way. Uh, especially when, when I see what God did in that particular church, for example, on this trip, and I've seen it happen in other trips and, um, bef- uh, previously, but this particular trip was just amazing because this denomination, uh, was, is the reason I call it heretical denomination because they were, they're following a man. Uh, he was a Dutch missionary, came to Indonesia or went to Indonesia right after the Second World War and wrote a book full of theological errors. And as a result, you have a whole denomination uh, established following that book. Hmm. And wow. uh, since 2016, uh, I have been introduced to that denomination. I taught their leadership. I taught their pastors over 16, 17, 18. And, uh, and there was a period of four years. And you always wonder, uh, have I made any, any difference? Uh, did I make any impact? Uh, and i have to trust the lord on that well the blessing was when i went back uh, my uh, representative there, interpreter he said well let me tell you what what's been happening last four years in this particular denomination since you were there in 2018 he said because of the teaching because of the challenges and they were confronted with the bible now slowly but surely they are now made in, in decisions to go back to the bible teaching instead of that book by that missionary teaching. So they have totally not been cleansed because the top leaderships, the old guard is still uh, holding the denomination hostage. But the younger generation are realizing that this is the wrong direction, but slowly they are. So it's going to take a few more years, I think, uh, that this denomination, God is redeeming it for himself mm-hmm. uh, because God loves these people. And uh, after what I've seen, uh, I taught their seminary and I preached in their churches, uh, God is really at work. So it, they're always in my prayers that God will have a revival in these kind of uh, churches.
3: Mm. That's encouraging.
1: We desperately need it, brother. And even in America, I think uh, it, rightly so, we send missionaries overseas and around the world. But... I never will forget in 2003, almost 20 years ago, I was in a small church in uh, southern California and someone came a guest speaker. We only have a minute in this segment by the way. That's why we're not going to ask you another question yet. Um a s- guest speaker came in and he was telling the story of missionaries from the like Asia and other places were flying into LAX, Los Angeles International Airport to to evangelize what they can s- called the decadent west. Right, so they were coming here to America uh-huh. to evangelize True. us, and we've got to just swallow our pride and say, "Yeah, we need it. Mm-hmm. We need." Not just ch-
2: Asians, Africans are yep. coming here too.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. in, people in the pews in the comfy seats across America need to be saved, and that's why when I comment, uh, commented on you um, preaching and getting people saved in this mega church in Indonesia, I am thinking, "God bless you, brother. Amen." We need this here more with Elijah Abraham. When we come back more about his trip, more about how. Uh, the different doctrines are, are being uh, you know, spread around different continents. And we're going to get to the midterms. We've got some things to talk about.
0: America needs a crimson wave next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo.
1: Well, Todd Frill writes that a bombshell study from Pew Research predicts Christianity will no longer be the majority religion as early as 2045. That's concerning, and he goes down a list of things that uh, signs such as sad signs, fewer people will have the joy of knowing Jesus, and our kids are going to inherit a mess down the road. We're going to talk about that in uh, just a little bit here and how we really need to not only vote but vote biblical values, and yet we need to understand elections are not the final solution as far as uh, saving our our republic under God or our former republic under God. Jesus and the gospel is the solution. So Elijah Abraham is our guest. Elijah, you mentioned um, a lot of theological issues uh, going back to your earliest trips probably surprised you going to some of these Christian churches in other countries, but then you realized they've kind of been americanized and uh, as you know the seeker sensitive um brand of christianity and the entertainment aspect to draw in people and then uh, the prosperity gospel you've dealt with a lot share us some of the bullet points that uh, concern you the most
2: well uh, it's it's interesting you know uh, since uh, covid happened and now uh travel has opened up a little bit and and i've been tr- so this is my third international trip to uh Ten countries since last November um, and what I have noticed is that people around the world and the country especially the countries I've been in um, they realize something's happening globally uh, and they are fearful uh, whether it be the Christians or the non-Christians even the unbelievers know that there is a supernatural power that is shaking the planet and they are fearful. Even atheists recognizing something is happening, and they mm. finally start recognizing uh, death is reality. And I really don't know where I'm headed. Uh, I don't believe in God, but I really don't know what's going to happen to me. So they are. Uh, God is really getting people's a- aware that uh, death is at the door if you don't make ch- make up your mind about surrendering your life. So. When a person like me, and I'm not the only one going around the world doing this, but when when we go out there and present the gospel, just the simple gospel, I am not there to complicate the Word of God. I'm not here to complicate the gospel. Just preach it simply. Mm -hmm. Let the Holy Spirit do what He does best. That's convicting, converting people. And when I explain things from God's Word, and I go through so much scripture, about the promises of God and why he came to earth what he's done on the cross and what he is doing today people I told I tell him I said you know the people ask me what is what is Jesus doing today well doing a couple of things one he's a builder he's building a room for you and for me in his father's house and he's coming to receive us to himself so he's constantly building a room for you and for me and second uh, he has been a high priest, an advocate. He's defending you and me from the mm-hmm. accusation of the devil day and night. And he's defending you and me day and night before the Father. So these are the two things. And ultimately, and I talk about eschatology. I talk about uh, when he comes, what's going to happen? What's going to happen after that? What is heaven like? What are the promises he promises? And I go through the scripture, and I'm telling you. And I, that's the positive if you surrender your life to Christ. But if you don't, I give them the negative. If you don't and die in your sin. Let me show you from the scripture, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. That's the great white throne judgment. This is what's going to happen to you. And when I did the invitation at that particular church or I ch- you know, teach at the seminaries and so forth, you should see people, they said, we did not know. Mm. We never heard this. Wow. And these are people in the church. Mm. Mm. So, uh, it really breaks my heart to see that people go to church Sunday in and Sunday out. They never heard this. So, one of the greatest uh, travesty in in these churches in in Indonesia, but also in Southeast Asia, uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, and also here in America. I've been doing this in America for the last four years about eschatology. They don't teach on eschatology in the end time, about the rapture, about this... The Millennium Reign about uh, heaven, biblical heaven, what heaven is. Uh, people say, well, yeah, I know I'm going to go to Jesus. Uh, go be with uh, Jesus, OK, what are you going to be doing? I don't know. I'm just going to be with Jesus. Well, what kind of body are you going to have? I don't know. I'm going to be with Jesus. Uh, how are you going to serve him? I don't know. I'm going to be with Jesus. Wait a minute. The scripture specifically tells us exactly what we're going to be doing, who we're going to see, who we're going to fellowship with, uh, what are we going to be serving him and how are we going to serve him? All of these things. I am not here to invent the wheel or reinvent the wheel. It's all in the scripture. Mm. So eschatology definitely is not being taught over there. And it's been avoided. And that's the challenge I challenge pastors. I said, hang on a second. Let me ask you some dumb questions. Who called you to ministry? And they looked at me and said, well, uh, God. I said, okay, Uh, if God called you, which book are you supposed to preach from? They said the Bible. Which part of the Bible? They said all of it. I thought, okay, if it's all of it, how come you're not teaching on Revelation? Daniel, Ezekiel, um, Matthew 24, 25, all the prophetic uh, scripture. Why do you avoid it? I said, you're going to be held accountable to this because if you don't teach eschatology and the end time, people in your pew still live in fear. They have no eschatological mindset about this is temporary. My This is not my home. My home is with the Lord. But if you don't teach that, They still think about here and now and woe is us and the fear factor. They're driven by fear. Hmm. And I see that in American churches, Mm -hmm. and I've seen that in overseas, and that needs to stop. And it's the full responsibility on the preachers, teachers, elders, and Sunday school teachers who are not teaching eschatology and uh, prophecy. Majority, if not all, of the Bible is prophecy. A lot of it has been fulfilled in the first coming. A lot of it is still uh, coming ahead of us. Some of it is being fulfilled in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So some of us are a little bit old enough, like when Israel became a nation. Uh, you know. So all of these things that it's happening before our own eyes. I'm telling you, uh, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles dreamed of the day that we live in today. And yet the church living in fear and they are not soldiers. They're not generals for the Lord. And I'm challenging, not just me, but other pastors, others like me. Uh, pastors you know that you had in your show are challenging God's people. Mm-hmm. Get up, study the word, trust the Lord, and doing that. Other challenges, theological challenges that I have noticed in in Indonesia and other part in, in Eastern Europe is the security of the believer. People think that they could lose their salvation. So I go through a scripture and help them understand this. When I do that... Uh, from the word of God, not because of me, but God's word ministers to them. And you should see the relief on their face, hmm. the joy they have. Wow. Even when they, when they start singing, it's just like a new voice they discovered hmm. because now they don't have to worry because the salvation is secure in Christ, not in their works. They don't have to maintain it. Now that does not mean it's a license to sin, but it's just something that in this world, uh, you know we trust the Lord, God holding our uh, salvation in His hand, and someday we 're going to be perfect, our body going to be perfect as he is. So these issues, also the, the, um, the doctrine of the church, that's something is also being messed up because of the influence of Western Christianity and what the church is about and the ministry of the church. Um, I challenged one pastor I, I did a, uh, I preached at a women 's uh, meeting uh, at a church. And uh, at the end, the pastor came, thanked him for coming, but he said, well, you know, and he started making excuses about not doing uh, reaching Muslims in their neighborhood. I challenged him. I was in front of his elders. I said, wait a minute, um, you know, do people in the neighborhood know there is a, lo- a church in this location? Are you reaching the neighbors? I said, forget about Indonesia. I'm not asking to reach all of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. But right here within, you know, less than a quarter of a mile, uh, forget about a quarter of a mile, within a hundred feet from this church. Do they know that you exist here? Are you ministering to? I, well, I so when I walked in from the, dr- from the car to this building, I've seen a lot of poor people in the neighborhood. Are you ministering to them? You just see his face. It's like, Oh, oh, hmm. uh, 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 yeah, I guess we could do that. I said, What do you mean you guess? Oh, wow. So <laughs> it is awful. They, that hmm. the, the, the is so watered down. They are so timid. Um, it, it said, well, you don't understand our culture. I said, No, I understand it well enough. I've been here. You know, eight times I did 31 <laughs> conferences in 35 cities, over 8,000 pastors. I trained in your countries. No, I said you guys are not trusting God and the Word of God. The Holy Spirit as said you need to stop and just trust Him and let Him use you, and you'll see how miraculously going to use you and for His glory. Hmm. So it's it's really interesting when they when they hear um, someone teach them. With the word of God, not because of arrogance, not because I know better than you, not just because I came from America. No, from the word of God, I'm challenging them. And God does what he does best by convicting them. Uh, it's interesting to see the reaction and their commitment. They say, I mean, like, for example, these uh, Methodist uh, leaders and the uh, Assembly of God leaders, they say, well, I guess we need to study the scripture. I said, duh, <laughs> that's your job. You're the mm. preacher's. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's amazing. Praise the Lord that they keep inviting me. And, uh, the seminaries, I taught in two seminaries. Uh, the students there are enthusiastic. They never heard, uh, you know, such expository preaching, uh, teaching about the scripture, teaching about the scripture. And they just love it because all the material we gave them is already translated in their language. And the Lord opened a new opportunity for nation. A different uh, uh, island, as well as a new seminar, uh, two new seminaries. So I'll be teaching that next year. And God opened new opportunities, connections from uh, brothers in Indonesia I have contact, in Philippines, Malaysia, Myanmar, which is former Burma, and Cambodia and Vietnam. So pray for these countries that God will open opportunities for me to go and help the church and strengthen the church and teach uh, pastors and leaders. To equip their congregations.
1: so Elijah you're you're breaking up just a little bit but we did understand Sorry. yeah we can't understand what you're saying we we could understand it um, but for some reason it's it's breaking up we may need to reconnect in a few minutes but let's bring it home now over to the United States Mary had an excellent question about muslims right here in our neighborhoods and maybe in your neck of the woods even in texas and you wanted to ask him about yeah
3: i um, just a few questions about islam in america because um you know since nine nine eleven things have waned as far as talking about islam in america the the americanized version that i that i see you know that blends seamlessly with the culture and then you have your your tv version of muslims which of course we can't do anymore because that's no stereotyping, and so mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem to be a lot of talk about that. But what kind of opportunities have you had uh, to observe and affect Islam in uh, in America, in your own backyard, or wherever it is you are in America?
2: Well, uh, I'm so glad you asked that question because right after 9/11, uh, Islam came. Um, you know, the spotlights came up on it, but. Due to the complicity of the media and mm-hmm. actually the media are aid in abetting, uh, Islamic agenda. So is the previous administrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not a, a just accusation I'm de- making out of thin air. This is all well documented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could look at on, on online how, uh, you know, our government, you know, allowed such, uh, movements happening in, in America. Uh, you're talking about the colleges or allowing, uh, terrorist organizations to establish centers in their own campuses and so forth. Um, but Islam is being presented here in America as uh, kind of more or less uh, westernized, mm-hmm. that it's benign. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people don't understand Islam is not a religion. It's a social political system that mm-hmm. uses mm-hmm. the deity to advance its agenda, uh, cloaked as a religion. Mm-hmm. So it has all the protections of the constitution to function as a religion, but it's got a political uh, agenda. Uh, that it's not very friendly to the Constitution or to this country or to the church. Um, and unfortunately, our young people have duped that Islam is legitimate, uh, that Allah and Yahweh, God of the Bible, are the same. Jesus of the Quran, same Jesus of the Bible. There is uh, truth in the Quran. We could witness from the Quran. And I'm telling you, wow, we have some missionaries and some uh, Christian, quote-unquote, Christian professors are uh complicit and they are promoting such heresy hmm. uh and not just here in america but they're exporting that as a methodology and witnessing to muslims and i find that here in america as well as overseas and you are from the insider mm-hmm. movement to camel method to jesus and the quran seminars and so forth hmm. so it's uh it's really uh it's what uh, we got a movement i'm sure we talked about that in previous uh, issues of your show it's chris Long movements mm-hmm. and so forth yeah so as a result of that, uh, the church um, kind of more or less has not engaged Islam in America. Right. What I mean, Islam, uh, m- witnessing to Muslims, and I challenge Christians in America. I said, look, the greatest weapon we have against Islam is the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And all you got to do is just share the gospel. It's not your job to convert Muslims. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit's work. But you got to open your mouth. You got to love on them. You're going to minister Amen. to them. So Muslims here, just like any Muslims around the world, they need Jesus. They are humans. They're not uh, Martians. They're not from Venus. They are from planet Earth. They have same issues that you and I have as human beings, and that's a great place to start and have a conversation with. Um, the greatest uh, group, I will say, that you could really reach to right now are the refugees uh, coming into the United States. Uh, they already left, um, you know, the hellhole if you want to call that in their own country come into a land of freedom and they want to express themselves, they need to hear the word of God. They need to hear the true Jesus, but no one there to tell them. Uh, and I think that's because the church is still gripped with fear mm. or that Muslims are hard to convert. Well, of, of course, if you think that way, they're going to be hard to convert because you think that you're the one who can convert them. So it's the Holy Spirit's work. So there is apathy towards Muslims um, they because they bought into the idea they are hard people to convert. Well, if that's the case, uh, was it hard for me to convert? No, the Holy Spirit did the work in my life. Uh, but I was exposed when I came to America. I was exposed to the true Jesus. I heard the true gospel, not the Islamized uh, Jesus, not the, the Christianity version of what I heard in, back in the Middle East. No, the true Christianity, the true Bible, the true Jesus, the true church. And when that happened, the Holy Spirit convicted me and converted me. So it's something like that, that the church needs to really realize that evangelism is not on you. It's total dependence on the word of God, the Holy Spirit and prayer. Mm. And once they get that, watch out. God will do miraculous work. But when the church is not doing what God called them to do, uh, of course... Muslims will stay Muslims because that's all they know. They are in prison. They are still not free. And it's up to us, God, want to use us to free them with the gospel. But we need Amen. to open our mouth and reach them.
1: Amen. Brother, we've got uh, to take another break. Um, we probably will have to reconnect with you. But um, Todd Friel asked the question, when we come back, we're going to talk about midterm elections, and how did a religion, Christianity, in America, with 350,000 churches lose its grip on American civilization And he answers that question. So we'll talk about that, plus elections, the importance of this being the time for Christians to take a stand. We'll see what Franklin Graham has to say, what Todd Friel has to say, what maybe Amir Sarfati has to say, but also Mary Danielson and our guest, Elijah
0: Abraham. More coming up. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: Todd Friel writes uh, reasons why um, this could be really bad for America if uh, Christianity continues to decline. Uh, Fewer people will have the joy of knowing Jesus. More people will be driving on an ACDC highway, meaning highway to hell. The moral rot in America will only grow more rotten. Political leaders won't reflect your values, and I'll insert not many do now, and our kids are going to inherit a mess. He says, what happened? How did this massive religion in America lose culture, lose influence, lose the civilization? He said one really big reason, the seeker-sensitive movement. Amen. He said this tsunami has produced almost nothing but rotten fruit, and oceans of false converts. And he says, our culture is awash in entertainment, and amusement is the main dish that seeker-sensitive churches serve, and not very well. So, Elijah, your thoughts on this being a big problem right here in the good
2: old U.S. of A.? Yeah, unfortunately, the seeker-sensitive cancer did not stay in America. It has you been know, exported globally And exactly. mm-hmm. every country that I've been in. Um, that's what I see, Americanized church, that it's just awful. It has not produced any believers. Uh, it produced, if they are believers, they're still baby Christians who with false teaching. But the rest of them, they just think they're believers, but they are really false converts. Um, you're absolutely right, and I agree with the statement Todd uh, made, um, that uh, because of the apathy of the church, and it started, I would say, really right after the Second World War in the, uh, the 50s, and by the time the 60s came along, that's when the pastor is being shut up, uh, uh, being put in the corner by the culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the pastors tried to get back into the culture. But instead of with the word of God, they say, OK, let's uh, assimilate into the culture. And this is where we are now, that we are basically the uh, current church is the fruit of their lack of labor, Mm. uh, you know, of uh, the 50s and 60s. Mm. But it is not too late. People always ask me, is it too late for America? You know what? As long as the Lord is at work, the church, the remnant are still here. Holy Spirit. um, The pastors, uh, you know, we need to pray for our pastors to be convicted, uh, (laughs) to preach the unadulterated word of God. And when that happens. You just watch out how God has turned this country around. But if it, the pastors are not preaching, the uh, people of God not being faithful to God, uh, mm. nothing will change. Now, I am not here uh, to preach that uh, we need to preach uh, the Lord Jesus and the gospel to redeem the culture. I, the, the gospel is not meant for culture to be redeemed mm. or country to be redeemed, mm-hmm. but for humans to yeah. get saved and mm-hmm. redeemed Heart. you see that's the thing when i whenever i go to uh, any country whether it be romania bulgaria moldova or asia in uh, indonesia india thailand uh african countries i always tell them so look uh, just like what i did in indonesia said, so look uh from now uh, from the moment this moment when you first start the conference uh i want you to stop 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 being indonesian christians and i want you to start as of now being biblical christians Because when you are a biblical Christian, you cannot help but be excellent Indonesian Christian. This applies to us too. Mm -hmm. We need to stop being American Christians. We need Mm -hmm. to start, as of now, being biblical Christians. Because when we are biblical Christians, we cannot help but be great American Christians. And that's not something that nationalism, but that means we are salt and light in this nation. That we can stand for righteousness, for truth. Because we are applying what we believe, what the scripture tells us, into practice. Now, when when we say the church needs to be active in politics, well, let's look at that. Let's dissect it a little bit. People always ask me, well, you talk too much about politics. You should not talk about politics. You should not talk about cultural issues. Oh, wait a minute. I live in both realms. I I live in the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. You tell me I need to stay on the spiritual realm only, but ignore my physical presence in this world. Uh, God made me to in, in this planet, in this physical realm, and he called me to be the light of the world, salt of the earth. Light of the world is exposed darkness. Salt of the earth is to preserve righteousness in this dark and wicked world. How in the world I'm going to do that if I don't apply my spiritual uh, understanding, biblical doctrine into practice, into the physical realm, uh, and, and trying to breathe present righteousness or preserve righteousness or expose darkness, expose false teaching, expose uh, policies that it's ungodly and satanic. You want me to stop doing that? And that's exactly what a lot of Christians have bought into, the Mm -hmm. separation church or state kind of thing. Uh, I don't buy that. Which is the second Uh, biggest
1: lie in America, the separation of church and state.
2: Exactly. Uh, Because if I stop doing that, then... I have allowed a satanic influence in Washington, D.C. to make policies mm. to impact me, not just me personally or impact my family, but impact the church I go to, impact the preaching that I preach, how I preach, which verses I need to avoid because that will offend the culture or politics or policies. Mm. So uh, as long as we are in, you know, in this life, uh, right now in this country, yes, soon or later, all of our freedoms will be gone because the scripture tells us that uh, the world will go into darkness, that the Antichrist will come sooner or later. Uh, but until then, we need to continue fighting the good fight. amen. So uh, when we say church I'm not talking about you know Costa Mesa Church or uh, First Baptist Church, no, no, I'm talking about the body of Christ, the Christians. Is those the true believers uh, apply what they know from scripture and go to the voting uh, booth and look at the candidates okay which one stands for abortion which one stands for homosexual agenda which one stands for taking my freedom of speech or religious liberty away from me which one stands to take my second amendment out of my hands to protect myself and my family which one stands of uh, letting me freeze um, uh, in the in the winter because they want to control my thermostat. <laughs> Which one stands that they don't want me to drive my pickup truck because they want to uh, bring the gasoline to ten, mm-hmm. twelve dollars a gallon. Electric Which cars. one do I need to vote for?
1: Yeah, okay?
2: exactly. So it's one of those things that a lot of, unfortunately, not just Christians, many, uh, almost all of the Americans that I come across, they have no idea what freedom really is. They have been conditioned all these years to be socialists. Mm. and what the government can do for me yeah they don't understand what freedom is they don't understand what it's like to be a persecuted christian they don't understand uh to live under dictatorship i have yeah i lived under Saddam hussein and i lived under fear i've seen my father shudder to in, to his bone in fear because of uh what he should and should not say because what the pol- state police can uh say even our relatives we could not trust because we did not know if they worked for Saddam Hussein or not. Wow. Is that America that I want for my children mm-hmm. or for me? I'm going to do everything I can to speak up as long as I have the opportunity and the freedom to speak. Now, if a Christian wants to silence himself and uh, you know, censor himself, that's his business. If things change not the way he wants to, he needs to shut up and not even open his mouth and complain about it because he did not fight for it. Freedom is not free. you got to fight for it. Yes. And I'm telling you, we are free. God created us to be free. You better fight for it because if you stay silent, you are complicit to what Satan's trying to do to take your freedom away, to take you uh, not preaching the gospel because that's exactly what he wants. Why? Because he hates humanity. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your ministry. He hates your Mm -hmm. church. He hates Jesus. So, of course, he wants to have a church not active. You see, the believers, he cannot take to hell, but he sure wants to have lazy Christians in the pews. He wants them to be ineffective. And that's one thing that oh don't be involved in politics. Uh, you should not voice your opinion about this issue or that issue. Yeah. Well, keep it to yourself, but don't tell me that I need to shut up and and not voice my opinion because I love my freedom in America. I love to voice my my thoughts. When I go to Indonesia and I hear my Christian brothers, they say, I cannot say this. I cannot do that. Uh, How could you do that? I say, because we're in America. Well, I wish we could do that, but Mm. we can't. So they envy us and they always tell us, how come you guys are quiet? Why would you let uh, America go this far? Why are you so silent? You have all the freedoms. You could talk. That's a pray for us. (laughs) Preach it, brother.
1: That's a problem. Hey, um, we've got five minutes left. We are definitely at a Bonhoeffer moment here in the United States of entertainment. And one thing you said that really kind of jumped out at me a few minutes ago when you said, we need to pray for pastors to be convicted. I'm going, wait a minute. Pastors need to be convicted. And, of course, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself Evil, Mary. Do you have any thoughts or a question for Elijah before we have to wrap it up?
3: What I'm thinking about while you're talking, and and just you know your life and what you do with your time and all these things. You know, um, we've been bought with a price. And uh, earlier this week, we were talking about you know being able to vote and being able to speak freely. What a privilege, and that there was a price paid by people. Uh, through uh, military service so that we could do that. Now, yeah. yesterday we had Voice of the Martyrs on. Now, they're talking about the price they paid in their own blood so we could preach the gospel. We Amen. keep thinking that all this is cheap or free, and you have counted the cost in what you do. Americans need to start counting the cost, you know, because the Bible says I mean, our life is hid in Christ. Christ in me is to live. Well, what does that mean? It's the totality of our lives, and to count the cost for all that we're doing. Uh, and I appreciate the incredible uh, cost to your family and to you that you have paid all these years to do what you do. And we, uh, we all could learn a lot from that. Thanks, Elijah.
2: Well, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I I've, uh, I've preached on that, especially in Matthew chapter 10. If people need to really dig deeper in Matthew chapter 10. i live in Matthew chapter 10 since I became a believer. Jesus draws a line. It's basically the cost of following him. Mm-hmm. It, we either for him or against him. You know, uh, you know, we—if you—if you love father or mother more than me, not worthy of me. If you love son or daughter more than me, not worthy of me. If you don't carry a cross and follow after me, you're not worthy of me. If you find your life, that means on this earth, you're not worthy of me. But if you lost your life for my sake, you'll find it. So. It, he draws the line. Mm-hmm. And many Christians think that, oh, well, I'm a Christian. I got my uh, fire policy. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> okay, what are you going to do with it? It's not meant to be put in your pocket and wait for Jesus to rapture that's you. That's right. It's that's meant right. to be shared. Gosh. And the th- even that's where the, the, even the church, the, the purpose of the church is being twisted. Uh, they made this ministry of the church inside the walls of the church. No, the church is a theological seminary. It's a mission sending agency. It's a hospital for the believers to lick their wounds and minister to one another. Mm -hmm. Why? For the work of the ministry. Where? Outside the church, not inside. Mm -hmm. But they made the church is the center of the ministry. That's not true. Read Acts chapter 2. And that's the opposite of what the current modern day American church is. The church is for the believers, not for the unbelievers to come to get saved. If they are there, hallelujah, they'll hear mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. But the church is in, for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry outside the church, not inside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we need to have a, a clear revolution in our spirit, and our mind about what the Bible teaches, what the church, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the gospel Our role as disciples, true disciples, are we following Christ? Mm -hmm. Are we paying the price? Mm -hmm. Or am I just, you know, about my comfort, my comfort zone, and I don't want to be rejected. It's got nothing to do with you, man. About you getting rejected. They're rejecting Jesus. Then they're rejecting us. Jesus told us they hated me first. Mm -hmm. They will hate you. Mm -hmm. You are hated by all. Well, welcome to the Christian life. If you don't like it, then why are you a follower of Christ? And that's why when, when people ask me, and I meet them for the first time, and they say, I'm a Christian. I say, great, I'm glad to hear that. Why? They don't know how to elaborate why they believe what they believe, yeah. why uh, Why Jesus, uh, Jesus came to earth, and they don't know how to defend the Bible when, the, when being accused that it's being corrupted. So we need to teach apologetics, teach how to defend the faith, and teach people really who they are in Christ as disciples. We are princes. We are princesses of the living God because we belong to the King and we will inherit his kingdom. And that's something, incredible position being Mm. adopted in Christ. Even the doctrine of adoption is being missing in our churches because people think, well, I'm in this life, I cannot do anything as a Christian. Mm. Think twice about that. Trust the Lord. You are general when you follow Christ.
1: Amen. Amen. No. Uh, Elijah, thank you so much. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, no, no well, no. well, our listeners are saying, yes, thank you for, I need my spiritual battery charged today. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're welcome. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got it from Elijah. But well, this is,
2: this is the cha- challenge, final thought. I mean, <laughs> we need to go, but yes. this is the challenge. Um, our ministry in America, it has changed because no churches want to invite us. Who- Need to come and preach in their churches. Very few churches. Wow. Because they don't want to hear this message.
3: Hmm.
1: Well, this is the time, friends. we got midterms coming up Tuesday. Vote biblical values. Take a stand for Christ in every aspect of life. The ballot box is just one way to do it. Um, uh, Todd Friel says, yep, you should vote. Work in politics. Send money to whoever if you choose. But if we want America to be truly great again, a red wave will not accomplish that goal there's only one thing that can save a nation from a terrible, noisy crash, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, be vocal, take a stand, uh, be salt and light. Elijah, brother, we will have you on again, Lord willing. Thank you for your time, and God bless you. Have a safe trip back to Texas.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless you, too. All right, Mayor, a, we,
1: we've got a loaded week next week. Yep, um, I'm going to work backwards <laughs> for the next ten days. T.A. McMahon, Bill Perkins, Russ Miller, Joe Schimmel, James Harden, Dr. Patrick Flynn, John Haller. Next Thursday, Pastor Jim Garlow. Next Tuesday, Election Day, Chris Quintana. And Monday, we do part two of Freemasonry with Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.